We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All systems are go. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Van Greetings and salutations, my friends. Welcome back to another audio adventure on Insight. I'm CVV Chris Van Vliet, and thanks for being with us. Whether this is your first episode or whether you listen to every episode, no matter who the guest is, I appreciate you. You know, the last time that we had Matt Morgan on the show was when the podcast was just starting back in 2019. Of course, the YouTube channel has been around for, you know, 12 years now, which is crazy. But the podcast kicked off in the summer of 2019. And that was such a great conversation. If you haven't listened to it, go back. It was July of 2019. Give it a listen or watch on YouTube. He's now the mayor of Longwood, Florida. It's the city he lives in, and he just wants to make a difference in his community. So it's amazing to hear him talk about the passion that he has for that. And when you look at his pro wrestling career, before his political career, although he'd be very upset if he heard me calling him a politician. He says he hates that word. He's a public servant. But if you look at his pro wrestling career, another P word there, he's one of the big what ifs in both TNA and WWE. We get into that a lot and what happened with both of those and his plans to return to WWE and what happened there. So he reached out to me about two weeks ago and said, hey man, I'd love to come back on the show. Let's just catch up. So here we are. And I love this guy. Honestly, he could come on the show every single month and it would always be a new and fresh and great conversation. And I especially love the stuff that we talk about towards the end of the interview about working hard, about paving your own way. And I hope that that really, really resonates with you. If it does, snap a screenshot. Let us know that you're listening. Tag us so we can share it. Matt is at BP Matt Morgan. I'm at Chris Van Vliet. And hey, Nate Tire, thank you for leaving this review on Apple Podcasts. It says, Chris is one of a kind. Always enjoy listening to his podcast. His interviews also on his YouTube channel are amazing and awesome stuff. Keep doing what you're doing. Well, thank you, Nate. I will keep doing what I'm doing with these reviews. So keep leaving them. I'll read one on every single episode as my way to shout you out for free, of course, and my way to say thank you for being on this journey with me. So let's do this. Ladies and gentlemen, the DNA of TNA, the blueprint, Matt Morgan. Oh, it's so good to see you, my friend. <laughs> you as well, man. Look at Jack. A real politician. Look at this. It may look that way with what I'm wearing. I just came from a meeting, but uh, don't call me that word. That's an evil, nasty word. <laughs> are you? Are you just? Is a business up top only? Like, are you wearing just like boxer shorts? <laughs> <laughs> I might just stand up right now and like. Oh no! Oh, I'm rocking my tidy whities. <laughs> um, but uh, public servant—that's the word. Big difference. That's another P word. Okay. Public servant. You got to remember politicians are in this for life and that's their, you know, main, that's going to be their main job for their you know, majority of their life. This is not, that's not my plan. That's never been my plan or my intention. I hate politics and politicians. I've said that for five years now, but, uh, you know, it's very different on a city level, in my opinion, in your own hometown. And, uh, doing something that you have absolutely, you know, in the beginning, no experience with. You just want to, it all happened, if you remember, because my son Jackson was born in 2014, 
that changed my prism on every from I'm retiring earlier than I expected from wrestling. And um, what can I do to leave my thumbprint in the community that this little nonverbal autistic boy is going to grow up in? And that's what started me pulling the curtain back farther and farther to see who are the decision makers around here. And then you start to realize what I'm sure where you live, they, they all same, think the same thing. You want to elect people in office that's your name, people that down to earth and have the will of the people behind every decision they make up on that dais at every meeting. I feel like your campaign could have just been like knocking on doors and like they open the door and they're like, oh, <laughs> oh whatever you say, I, I'll vote for you. <laughs> so in real life, I I learned very quickly I'd have to knock because I, I nobody outdoor knocks me. Like that's, I love doing it. I do. Because that's another way you can get a judge on how well are you doing or how crappy are you doing, right? Mm-hmm. Like you get your instant feedback whenever time it's time to the campaign yeah. for re-election. Anyways, so I learned very quickly because of my size, it'd be much smarter if I door knocked immediately took 10 steps back. Because who would open the door to Neanderthal man over here, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> were, you, were you always this big? Yeah. Like, were yeah. you born at, like, were you 12 pounds when you were born or something? No, I was tall, no, no. I was tall and skinny okay. um, uh, until I got to college and then got absolutely obsessed with the weight room. Still to this day, my wife and I are very addicted to it. Love working out. Well, the interesting thing is, like, when you're this tall in high school, even if you're not athletic, and you were, but even if you're not <laughs> athletic, you're tall, so they're like, well, you're going to play basketball. This is just how this is going to work. And that is the path I took originally. You know, I thought, uh, I uh, well, I love basketball, love wrestling, but it ended up getting me a Division One, you know, basketball scholarship at Monmouth University. We made an NCAA tournament my freshman year, first time in our school's history. That was amazing. And that's just my freshman year. Um, that was cool. My coach was then going to be leaving, I'm sorry, retiring. And they had like two six foot ten kids there, and we bring it in in the next class after my sophomore season. And I was just like, no, I had not worked this hard to sit on the bench and come in behind two freshmen that, you know, they're very good. But I've paid my dues. And uh, so, anyways, long story short, I transferred to Chaminade University in Hawaii. That's where I met my uh, beautiful wife, Larissa, my first day on campus, actually. And uh, play basketball there, finished out my basketball career, wherever you want to call it, there. <laughs> how close were you to playing in the NBA? Because I know that you had tryouts for NBA teams. So how, how close was this to being a reality? Being a space eater and being a bruiser, but that can also shoot from the outside. My strength was definitely shooting. Um, but this was before at a time where, like, the NBA in college today is very different, right? Now you have a stretch four. That's an actual position. That would have been my position. But back then, I would be brought in as a power forward, uh, technically height-wise, small forward, really. Um, but you had guys like Austin Crozier that had been drafted by the Pacers that year. There was, he was the number one draft choice in Providence. He was an All-American. He was absolutely amazing. And um, anyway, so like he's a three-point shooter, handle the ball, things like that. And you had me as a very big, like I said, bruiser and rebounder and shot blocker. And the NBA was not where it's at today as far as mm-hmm. wanting their fours and fives to be able to shoot. You know, so no, never. It was a dream, it was a goal, obviously, but I was also very realistic about it too. And by then, I already met Vince McMahon. I already met Vince McMahon by that point in my lifetime as well. So he was the one that told me, you know, you owe this to your family. Please go try it. You know, we'll always be here. Kind of a thing. And then uh, Tough Enough came about, and that's how I decided. How did the first meeting with Vince come about? So I was bound. In the summer times, I would work for our Fairfield, Connecticut Highway Department. Because um, when you're an NCAA student athlete, 
you couldn't work during the school year back when I was in college to earn money. You couldn't. Um, you could only work uh, in the summer times. So I'd have to work odd jobs to make as much money as I can. And then that following school year, I'd have some spending money and, and things like that. You know, take my wife on a date or something like that, right? So yeah. I worked for the highway department in Fairfield, Connecticut. That's two towns over, three towns over from Stanford, where Titan Towers is right now. Their headquarters for WWE. Yeah. And uh, it's my hometown in Fairfield. And I also bounced at a nightclub there. God, it was, it was called the Sea Grape. And in walked this WWF Raw magazine writer one night. And I was working the door. And uh, his name was Marco Torelli. And he goes, You ever think about wrestling? I'm like, funny you should ask, you know, like, this is something I've always wanted to do. Yeah. And uh, he's like, Well, Vince McMahon uh, works out every Friday night at Titan Towers. Meet me there. And then we had shared phone numbers. And every Friday night for the next six months, I went there every single week, hopefully to bump into him, right? Well, finally it happened. He was walking out of the the men's room as I was walking into the men's locker room at their gym there. They have a beautiful gym. And um, this was back when that was much more sacred ground. That, That to work out in that gym, like they would very rarely even do photo shoots there back in the day, um, let alone that, you know, big lumpkin over here walking, right? So um, because Marco was really well-respected, they just assumed I was his friend or whatever, so I was able to come there. So I'm walking into the locker room, and Vince is walking out and slamming basically right into my chest. And ironically, that's the same way I'm in my life, same scenario. <laughs> just Captain Goofalot over here not being anywhere whatsoever of my surroundings. <laughs> anyway, so he bumps into me, looks up at me, like, how tall are you, son? And I told him. And how much you weigh? And I told him. And this time I was huge. I was like 382. I was wow. enormous at this point because I wanted to be a wrestler. And I didn't talk about being a mark. I, I didn't know wrestlers were you like using gimmick heights and gimmick weights. Like I knew there's a little exaggeration here and mm-hmm. there. But I never met one of the big, huge pro wrestlers, like a big show or an undertaker. You know, I always met like Scott, Scott Paul Roma or somebody like that, like like not a skyscraper, right? So yeah. I just assume maybe a couple inches was being exaggerated at worst, you know what I mean? But so I thought I'd get as big as humanly possible, right? To impress everybody, maybe get a job. That's the truth. Yeah. And so long story short, he uh that's when we had the conversation about you know, I had an NFL combine coming up and um, also an NBA trial. And uh, he had told me, you know, uh, that to my family to try those, you know, options first yeah. and that they'll always be there and that they have this reality show that's going to be coming out in the future. And so time, some time goes by and uh, I ended up, you know, being told to send my tape in for MTV, WWF, Tough Enough, part two. Yeah. And that's kind of how it went. <laughs> Are you a legit seven feet tall? No, six, eleven, three quarters. Okay. I won't tell anyone. Don't worry. Nobody. Like, but does that sound it? So how tall are you? Six, eleven, and three quarters. Like that's, <laughs> yeah. doesn't, there's no well, ring to that. That does sound corny. Look, if anyone was five, eleven, and three quarters, they are 1,000% calling themselves six feet tall. And barefoot out of that. that. So there we go. So with boots on, you're like seven, three, seven, two. No, especially the first freaking Spice Girl boots I was rocking in OVW my first year because, again, Mark Matt over here had, like, these huge lifts, huge lifts on my first pair of boots because I was told so did the other guys, the other big men, many of them. So, yeah, legit, probably 72 in those, you know, tell me what you want, what you really, really want. Uh Boots. <laughs> well, you really, really, really want a zig a zig ah. Yes. <laughs> What's your day-to-day look like right now being the mayor of Longwood? Whatever. Number one, obviously, whatever our residents need. Um, I'm, I'm a, a in-person type of you know guy as far as wanting to meet with them. They have an issue with anything. I like to meet with them in person about it because we have a small city. We're only 16,000 residents here. 
And that's actually grown from where it was when I first started in 2017 during my first term. So we've grown, um, but uh, that, that's a big part of it is meeting with our folks, you know, that questions or ideas. Another big thing I like to do is I like to get as many people incorporated into our city as possible as far as joining boards and other committees and things like that because I'm as far from the outside as one can come and be involved in something like this, right? So it sets a precedent for many, many others that have no background in this, don't like it like I didn't like it. And when I said don't like it, meaning didn't pay attention to politics, couldn't tell you really what party I was, nothing like that, right? And maybe I should be ashamed of that, but that's really the truth growing up. I didn't really pay close attention to any of that. Um, busy as a wrestler and just being dialed in. You're a wrestler, that's all you're really sure So, Anyways, more day-to-day stuff is I also work. So the city of Longwood, in many cities in our county, for that matter, the elected official is almost considered a part-time position. Um, so many of us, in fact, all five of my commissioners and I all have another uh, job in which they perform. To because I make nine hundred forty-two dollars after taxes per month, being there. Um, so you do this because you legit. You're not doing it to get rich. You do it because you want to make a difference in your darn community. You know, not just for your own children, for everybody's kids. $940 a month after taxes? But, well, what is it, about nine forty two after taxes each month? How much? My bad, nine twenty eight. Oh, man, you're trying to give yourself a raise. <laughs> <laughs> but, so, I say that because something I'm very passionate about, and I'm trying to cram everything into one sentence here, but... I'm, you know, I'm a 17 year, almost 17 year now recovered opioid addict. Yeah. yeah. So one of my other biggest passions is getting people so getting them help and getting them clean. So my other job is I work um, with a, uh, a treatment facility here in Central Florida that uh, I get alcoholics help and those struggling with drug addiction and other mental health issues help just the same. And I love it. I love that. What was the uh, thing that like helped you get clean the most? I gotta be honest, and this is where addicts you always hear them going through rehab and stuff that doesn't work the first couple of yeah. times. Yeah. Because mistakenly, we think we're being good people by trying to get help because I want my wife over there, you know, to think higher of me and to see me being willing to take this on and do anything it takes for her. Or okay. maybe you try to get sober for your child. It will not work. You have to want to get clean for yourself. Yeah, It's the one thing I've ever experienced in my life that it is okay to be selfish about. Meaning, you have to think you're important enough in this world that overdosing should scare you. Um, your life is that important. It is that meaningful. And unbeknownst to me in the beginning, I didn't know I was just clouding into that house. But in reality, that's really what I was doing. I overdosed seven times, you know, along my journey. So I love doing that. I love helping people, you know, find their sobriety. That's ultimately, I do think that's my biggest calling. Not to sound like older than now or something, but I do think that's my biggest calling. I think that's why the Lord made me a wrestler, why I became a good gladiator, why I'm seven feet tall, six, seven, three quarters. Uh, all that good stuff, all that sizzle. Because the stake behind it, in my opinion, was meant to help my community and also help addicts. Yeah, I feel like it's a, such a slippery slope. Like, you know, I'm sure when it started for you, it was uphill. Yeah. Then it turned into two pills. At what point did you realize, ooh, this is maybe getting out of control a little bit? Want to hear something crazy, Chris? The crazy thing yeah. is, I was a fully functioning addict. Mm. So anything you see of me, in a WWE ring, WWE ring on YouTube, right? I'm high. Wow. You can't tell. I'm on glossy eyes. I'm not throwing up. I'm not showing up late to work. Um, I'm not, not working hard. My body was in great shape, right? Um, so that made it easy rationalization for me that, you know, okay, all these, all these, these guys with timer abusing steroids and more hardcore drugs. I'm taking prescription painkillers. What's the big deal? Yeah. 
That's yeah, the doctor's giving, giving it to me. It can't be that bad. That's the obvious, right? So as we know, 80% of all opioid addiction starts with a prescription. But I want to be clear, I still don't think it's okay to put 100% of the onus on those doctors because I still would work the gimmick, meaning I go in with my MRI showing I don't have an L5 anymore. What the hell? How are you even walking? You know, that kind of reaction. And sure, I'd get whatever painkiller they wanted to give me. Um, But that's still me working an angle to get my fix. Um, so you gotta if you're gonna really, really be sober, you have to own every bit of your business, every single millimeter of it. Own up to it. And um, you know, openness, I mean it's not to get all biblical on people, but turn yourself over to whatever your higher power is, that you're helpless. That you're absolutely helpless without getting and then we hear the slippery slope ends up going into, you know, once you can't get painkillers anymore, so it's turning into heroin. And that just sounds very scary. It does. It does. And there was a bodybuilder designer drug at the time called Nubing that a lot of the boys would use where you could just put it in a, uh, I think it's called insulin syringe or something like that. And you could, you can inject it and you would get the same high that you would at, from the painkiller same thing and so yeah man you're, you're not wrong it does open up other pandora boxes to potentially other drugs you're not wrong do you think about like what your wwe run could have looked like had you been sober the entire time i would have had that chance um when i was supposed to go back and re-debut with them 2000 uh, 2014, January 2014 in the Royal Room. And gear, the blue, it was going to be the blueprint, finally, and on WWE TV, not TNA, but WWE. Mm-hmm. And, and um, my son Jackson was born January 7th. And that was something that my wife and I had been praying on for 12 straight years. We went through eight bouts of IVF and ICSI, none of them worked. And uh, by the grace of God, she naturally got pregnant. It was the biggest thing for me in my life ever, ever. And so when he was born and, and I held him for the first time, this switch went off in my head. And I'm done. Uh, I can't, I'm not going back on the road. I'm not, I need to be a dad. And I, need to be, I need to be home here every night, you know, with my son. And like I've said many times, that ended up being the right decision because just, you know, uh, almost three short years later, a little bit under three years later, Jackson was diagnosed as being uh, nonverbal autistic. Um, so again, it's a tag team between me and my wife on uh, being able to take care of him and do the, 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 the litany and myriad of things we have to do every single, you know, day before he goes to school, after he goes to school, all the therapy he needs, you know, getting them in the right charter school, that all those different things that are very important. But let's say that never happened. I was on track to be re-debuting for Royal Rumble 2014, uh, that January. And so I called them up. I told them what happened. Um, they you told like, them what happened. You told your father now. Yeah. 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 Told them the great news, obviously. Yeah. Now, they didn't know as they were happy for me, but they didn't know as much about the story as let's say Dixie Carter from TNA did. Dixie Carter was over the book because she tried to help me in my life a couple of times by mm-hmm. flying this doctor into TNA tapings in Orlando at Universal Studios to help me and my wife. because um, she had a similar issue trying to uh, uh, have children as well. And and so I just thought that was amazing her. Amazing. And uh, anyways, WWE, they got it. They understood. I'm like, it's not like some trick. I'm not trying to get out of this deal. Just, you know, because I'm going to go over here or something like that. Yeah. You know, this is something that been, my people talk about their dreams. That's been my biggest dream since I was a little kid was to be a dad. Yeah. Be married, have a home, and be a dad. I swear to God. And uh, had the first two. Just waiting on, you know, that third that took us about 12 years to finally have that child. Incredible, man. Incredible. This new year, you've got goals and Factor is here to help you achieve each and every one of them. 
Save time and have the energy that you need to tackle everything on your to-do list with Factors ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. If you've seen any of my videos on YouTube, you know that I've been talking about Factor for the last year, and I love how easy they make it. They not only help you skip the trip to the grocery store, but they help you skip the chopping, the prepping, and the cleanup too. Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are ready in just two minutes. Yeah, two minutes. All you have to do is heat and enjoy. And no matter what your lifestyle is, Factor has all the meals to help you live it to the fullest. They've got keto, calorie smart, vegan and veggie, and protein plus meals. That's the one that I'm on right now. And they're prepared by chefs and approved by dietitians. And each meal has all the ingredients you need to feel satisfied all day long. So get Factor and enjoy clean eating without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered right to your door and ready in two minutes. There's really no easier way to eat well. Achieve and maintain your goals this year with Factor. Get America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit and start saving time. Start saving time, eating well, and living your best year ever. Head to factormeals.com slash insight60 and use the code insight60. You'll get 60% off your first box. Yeah, 60% off. That code is insight60 at factormeals.com slash insight60 for 60, 60% off your first box. 60% off. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. And look at your WWE career. Obviously, your, your career has been broken up into a bunch of different sectors, I would say. Like your WWE run, then you were at right. TNA, probably the best time you could possibly be in TNA. I, I thought so, yeah. And then kind of everything after that. But I, I look at your WWE run, and like I feel like you just got jerked around a lot. Like, yeah. so many possibilities to turn something into gold, and it was just like taken away from you. What I mean, do you, yeah. what do you yeah. think was the biggest opportunity? Say it again. What do you think was the biggest opportunity in WWE? Oh, really? You, 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 for sure, the stuttering character, right? No, I'm joking. I'm being very facetious. <laughs> um, but definitely the first time, even though it was still, they called me up prematurely. I'd only been in OVW uh, for maybe, I think, under a year. Like, I got called up very quickly. Yeah. I got put on that Team Lesnar team with Brock Lesnar and everybody else bigger than him, like Big Show, A Train. Nathan Jones and myself. Still the biggest team in Survivor Series history. Anyways, um, but that that I thought would have been the best because number one, I'm being brought into a main event setting by being, you know, associated with Brock Lesnar 
Joshua, who was a world champion at the time. All my house show matches were with, like, majority were like, oh, God, Benoit, Kurt Angle, uh, Eddie, uh, uh, JBL, who was still doing, I believe, the APA stuff at the time, uh, Bob Holly, um, like, you know, really good talents that helped me improve quickly. Um, but anyways, I, I think I say that time because me and Nathan were supposed to win the titles of WrestleMania 20. That was supposed to be the plan. And Nathan quit on, you know, when we went on tour to Australia months before WrestleMania 20 was coming. And uh, it is what it is. You know, when you're a tag team like that, sometimes you're, you know, associated with what happens with your partner. So I knew something would happen to me once he quit. But they instead, instead of just sending me down back to developmental right away, they kept me with Brock a little bit longer. And they had me come out and be his heater and things like that. Not that he needs a heater, but therein lies the heat, right? Mm. He's Brock Freddie Lesnar. He's a one-man army. Yeah. But anyway, so I'd come in, I'd come in him the ringside. I'd wrestle my own matches as well versus smaller opponents to make me look bigger, right? But um, that, I thought, was the best time, the best time for them to do something with me. <laughs> but I got sent back down to uh, Louisville, uh, OVW, and... I finally got a chance to learn how to work as a heel because my entire run in OVW, my first time, I was only a baby face on television. Yeah. So this did do me a great deal of justice of improving, getting my timing down better, working on body language, uh, working on playing to the people up in the nosebleed sections, things like that that I really wasn't aware of just yet because I was so green still. Uh, my first call. So when they called the second time, I jumped on the opportunity because it was an idea, a stuttering character that Vince McMahon came up with. And if Vince gets behind something, not gets behind something, but if he's the one that creates it, yeah. you assume it's going to go to the top because he does, especially at that time, I only recall him coming up with Carlito's character at that time. And you saw what he did with that character. Carlito, sure, yeah. crazy, right? Yeah, Carlito. Huge. Got Absolutely. Huge, huge. huge. So you, you, you assume like the same will happen for you because Vince doesn't do it every day where he comes up with his own character and then standing behind the camera every time you're cutting a promo there and giving me all that attention. So stuttering or not, the guy told me to put a you know pink jock strap on my face and walk the ring backwards, I would have done it. <laughs> That's how I was trained, you know? Yeah. You, you tell me to, you say jump, how, I'm supposed to say how high, you know? Yeah. It was, so, it was so interesting seeing you do the F5. And I'm curious what you like the first time you did it. Like, did, did Brock walk you through it? Just like see it and go, eh, I can do that thing. No. Five coming from seven feet up is very different from anyone else doing it. Well, I'm surprised you saw that and noticed that. Um, so, funny story. Um, I always felt like Vince called me into his office to tell me that was going to be my new finisher. And it was right. I always felt it was kind of like as a shot to Brock. Because Brock, at this point, I'm now, I get called back up to SmackDown as black dyed hair, pirate beard looking, um, stuttering Matt Morgan, right, with the black trunks. And, anyways, he, uh, calls me in his office, tells me he wants me to be doing the F5 as a finisher, but the guy can do it. And I said, sure, no problem. But in the back of my head, I always kind of thought that it was a shot at Brock because he had just, you know, not too long ago, quit their company to go mm -hmm. and try out for the NFL. Yeah. And I was kind of thought that was a, maybe a dig at him because I was close with Brock at the time. My first time I got called up, like I rode with him a couple of times. Um, he told me anything I ever needed come to him with. And I did my first time I got called up. Uh, we had that Danny Davis, Ohio Valley wrestling uh, connection together. But uh, anyways, my first time doing the F5 was the big show. That was the very first time. I, brother, that's the first time I ever tried the F5. <laughs> so when they said, can you do it? Yes, sir. No problem. But then, you know, you hope big show will help you get you, you know, get his big butt up, you know, things like that when you deliver the move. But, you know, we pulled it off, luckily. And uh, at the time, I, I, I'm pretty sure I was only the third time to lift the third time. I'm pretty sure I was only the third person to lift Big Show up, uh, up on their shoulders, at least in a WWE ring. 
I know Cena did, and I know Brock did. That was the Yeah, and in WCW, it was Goldberg. Oh, my God. He did. He did a jacket. Can you believe that? Yeah. I would argue that's even harder. I would agree with that. I mean, versus a fire carry, for sure. Okay. Yes and no. Because Big Show was freaking an amazing. He's always been a great athlete, but he was really an amazing athlete with WCW. You remember how jacked Big Show was? So jacked. He moved so quickly. Right? Yeah. Throwing missile drop kicks off the top rope. Crazy. Yeah, man. I think with your size, you should be part of these conversations. Like when people talk about the big men in wrestling, your name doesn't come up nearly as often as it should. Oh, geez. Thank you. Very flattering. And and maybe it's because people don't consider you a big man because you you don't work like a a, traditional big man who just happen to be tall and really athletic. Yeah. I mean, things like shooting star press thing i mean moonsault easily um but things that they would never allow me to do when i was coming up and as a big guy we all have this inherent thing in our heads that we want to show everybody we're not just some big klutzy goof but we're way more athletic than we look and this and that but i had a 41 inch perk you know what i mean like at over 330 pounds like, like that, that's a shoot, seriously. So, like, I could do things athletically, but I'd always get yelled at for it. Whereas today's wrestling, oh my god, oh my god, if I could just, you know, if I could be today dropped in today's wrestling with them letting the big guys do some of these more athletic maneuvers, um, I would have, man, I think I would have made out. Well, I mean, you kind of have been dropped back into today's wrestling. We saw you on Impact recently. <laughs> yes, they were here locally. I was uh, very excited to uh, go see some old friends there. I'll never dump on Impact. I'll never dump on TNA either. I know a lot of people like to do that. I don't. I'll take my TNA roster from 2007, 2008, 2009 against WWE at that time, any day of the week. Yeah, that roster was stacked. And I, not stacked. A, about this. Stacked. And I know the television ratings were, you know, very different 15 years ago, but right. 3 million people were watching Impact back then. <laughs> and people always ready to go, TNA, LOL. I'm like, no, LOL. Go back in time and watch those matches. Watch the storylines. More importantly, the ratings. Yeah. The ratings especially versus, I know it's today, oh. different today, right? Yeah, I get it. Like 3 million people were watching Impact. Maybe 6 or 7 million were watching Raw. I don't know the numbers exactly, but like still, it's a lot of eyeballs to watch you guys week in and week out. On Spike TV, man. That was a huge network. Huge network at the time. Yeah, a huge network that used to have Raw. Like, that's a, you know, it's what people were used to watching wrestling. Yeah. Yeah, man. So I think when people saw you at Impact recently, they went, oh, this this is going to be something. Like, this can't just be a one-off. Of course it could. I'm a mayor of a city. I can't just start. All right, see you later, folks. I'm going to go you know, start throwing drop kicks. Uh, and body Kane is a mayor of a county, and he shows up every year. Shows are one-off. Those are one-off appearances. You got to. This is a demanding as hell job. Trust me. Um, plus, I'm on 12, 13 other boards and committees. I sit on our Central County Opioid Council. Um, all these different boards and committees on top of everything. My wife does too now. I'm very proud of my wife. Um, yeah. You're one of the very few wrestlers that has been very successful in the second phase of your life. And this is no disrespect to other wrestlers, but there's a lot of them that hang on to those glory years in their 20s and 30s. And, you know, they don't have a second job they can go into. They don't have another skill that they've honed. And you can be successful as a public servant. And a lot of people don't have that. Thank you. And I'd be lying to you, though, if I told you, like, this was planned. Because we always, I always try to tell younger wrestlers, have a backup plan and don't be embarrassed about it. If the wrestling doesn't work out, that's the biggest, that's our biggest enemy is we get embarrassed at first that maybe we didn't make it to where we wanted to make it, et cetera. And there's that ego that makes you a successful pro wrestler to begin with, by the way. Right? It's a very important yeah. picture you have to have. But yeah. it also will hurt you when that spotlight has faded and you're not on TV anymore. And I went through it too. Um, but looking at that little boy, sure as hell cheered me up very quickly because I knew this was the right decision. I knew it was the right decision. But I didn't know I'd get into the world of, I ain't saying politics, but 
Um, elected official now public servant. Public <laughs> servant. Because I will, I'll take it even one step further. I think there's a lot of people who are successful in whatever avenue of life it happens to be, whether it's wrestling or it's sports, right. whatever. And then they get into this next phase of their life and they're not immediately good at it. And they go, oh, I can't let people see me failing at this because I've been so successful doing this other thing for so long. 100%. Yes. 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 you got to remember the other aspect of this. I stick out like a sore thumb, right? So even, even like you, as a wrestler, you're used to people coming up to you and saying, hey, aren't you so-and-so from so-and-so? Right. Yeah, yeah. So when that starts to fade a little bit, that messes with people's heads a little bit, or they think they have to be that character, well, not character on television, but that wrestler as their identity. They have to be that identity all the time. Yeah. Versus, no, no, you don't. Kevin Thorne's doing a very good job as we speak as a real estate agent, right? He's crushing it out there. Yeah. Um, there's Nova's running a bank somewhere in Louisville. There's tons of wrestlers that are doing very good things with their lives after pro wrestling. I think we're going to see it continue to crescendo uh, with more and more pro wrestling that you hear these cool stories about of what they're doing after pro wrestling. And to be fair, the wrestlers in the past, they didn't have the benefit that we have to in social media. Absolutely. The only reason any, the only reason the wrestling even knows I'm the mayor of the city is because they follow me on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook. Right? Yeah. So, I don't, I'm not the mayor of their city, right? So, how would they know? So, that's another thing we got to point out, too. But like I said earlier, brother, I this was not in the plans, and it's not going to continue to stay in the plans. Don't get me because I passed term limits when I first got elected. You only serve three, four year terms, and got to get out. Then, then you're going to run for governor, right? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you wish. No, um, Lord, no. Um, Senate? No, no. I, I, I don't know. I, I because. The one thing I have learned is this, is that everything I do, I decided to talk to my wife first, my mom even still first as well with my wife and make those decisions as a team because you're bringing them into this arena. Once you become an elected official, you're bringing everything into this. You're going to be in a world in which you get to get lied about, exaggerated about, told half-truths about on purpose, and you have to sit there and take it. And you have, that's just how it works. And you have to have the thick skin to be able to take it. So does your family. People always forget that part. So to do that, it's then to have to justify the means as far as I feel I can have an impact on whatever that community is in whatever elected role that one day may be that's not here. But I don't know. Here's my here's my reason why. I don't think I'll get the same attaboy, pat on the back, thank you, Matt, for doing what you've done for our city that I get here at the gas station or at the Publix or at any of these community events that I help set up um, yeah. in this fundraise. Like, I don't think I get that. And that's the high I chase. It's not just 920 bucks, obviously. <laughs> it's, it's the, I'm changing this, helping change this community yeah. from, you know, an, an historic city that we're very proud of, our historic district, but also by progressing it into the future and attracting younger families finally to our city. What kind of conversations have you had with Glenn Jacobs, with Kane, about doing what you guys do? Early on, I had saw that he had, uh, I had been elected. My first term, I got elected in 2017. And I saw about a, like, people, you know, are always in your ear telling you stuff, right? And uh, there's one guy said, hey, do you, do you know Glenn Jacobs? I'm like, freaking Kane? Yeah, of course. And they're like, did you know he's running for mayor of Knox County? I'm like, no, I did not know this. So. I picked up the phone, called him, wished him luck. Uh, he didn't know that, I, that I'm doing what I'm doing at the time, so we kind of laughed over that, right? And ironically, he was always my favorite wrestler. He was my favorite wrestler, uh, I'd say, from college years on, him and Undertaker. Um, both very athletic big, right? So yeah. I just, uh, you know, shot the breeze with him over the phone a little bit. And anytime he's up for, you know, re-election or anything like that, I give him, uh, you know, hey, good luck, you know, and... Uh, Congratulations if he wins, you know, and vice versa. But uh, I did, I remember talking to him about one initiative I was very proud of when he first got elected here in Longwood in 2017. If you're going to be an elected official for your people, how many people do you think come to your city council or commission meeting? I would think it's like 30 people. Right? 
And if they're there, they're usually there primarily to complain. To, to complain, right? Okay. Yeah. Well, my biggest thing when I knocked doors when I first got elected in 2017, I told the folks, I go, folks, I'm going to be brand new at this. Okay. I have no political background. I think that's a good thing. Um, and because of that, I need you all to come to these meetings because I, the way this should work is I should be nothing more than your conduit. That seat that I'm sitting in up on that commission dais ain't mine. It's yours. I'm just your megaphone for four years until you find somebody you want to do this instead of. That's the way I legitimately really do see that. I swear to God on that, Chris. And so with that, I came up with being the first city in the Southeast region to be able to uh, start streamlining uh, Facebook Live commission. So everything we do as a city commission, even even just our, our negotiations for our police contracts, our firefighter contracts, our city manager contracts, um, all of that. That is all on Facebook Live. You can go to City Longwood's Facebook page. You can look them all up dating back to 2018 to when I first made this initiative happen. And I'm bringing that up because that is a conversation I had with Glenn. And I called him up and uh, uh, told him about it, that you really want to get, like, I'm nobody to get him advice, obviously. I'm not trying to say that. But the whole intent of being an elected official is you want your feedback from your residents, sure. right? Because it's their seat, like I said earlier. And if they're not involved, paying attention to what's happening, how are you supposed to get a fair gauge on what are the things they want and don't want? Right. right? Like legit, yeah. that's how it's supposed to be. So Facebook Live has been a godsend to our city. And to me personally, to be able to get constant, instant feedback, like, no, Matt, why would you do that? Right? Fine. Give it to me. I need, <laughs> we need to know. And yeah. um, I was talking to Glenn about that a little bit. Uh, as he it just won his election the first time in 2018, I think. But uh, you know, proud of the work he's doing. And it's not easy. He's, he's the mayor of a county, yeah. a county, a county. Yeah. Yeah. How close? Like I, I heard this angle about you being Kane's other brother. Abel. I told so. You were the first person I told that to. I've never shared that story before. And that I was crazy. That so no. Johnny Ace and Stephanie wanted me to wear a mask to work on my body, right? And so I remember Jim Cornette just being like, what the, what are you doing? He's like our top baby face, our champion. Why does he got to wear a mask? This is stupid. Good looking kid. Like, totally put me over. And I'll always be grateful to Jimmy for that. He was, I love Jimmy. I'll always be Jimmy. And uh, anyway, so they put me in this stupid hood. And and uh, Jimmy found a way to make it work because he's freaking brilliant. He Are there photos of this masked character we can find online? Definitely. Sadly, yes. <laughs> I'm sure they are. Yes. And uh, when well, was, was it just was it the same name? Was it just Matt Morgan with a mask? We yes. We know we just I lost the loser leaves town match at OVW, right? Yeah. And then they put me in a hood, and I came back and said, "I'm not Matt Morgan. I'm the blueprint." <laughs> there you are like a black and white mask yeah like kind of like uh bane I, I, if i remember right that's the one that's one wow yeah but but listen so then eventually you know you know stephanie once told me that like you know if you don't like it tell us if you know blah blah blah, blah but you might we have an idea for you with this if you do like it you know, and you would be brought up to television and, and to work uh, with King. Yeah. Now, I've seen somewhere where, like, somebody is like, oh, plans for this were abandoned. And uh, what's his name? Um, my boy, uh, good brother. Um, Carl Anderson? He uh, used to be Festus. Um, Gallows, yeah. Uh, Gallows was brought, then brought in. To, no, two different time periods. Um, when he was brought in to be fake King, that was at a very different time. Uh, I, I mean, really, I mean, with WWE, I was already with TNA by this point. Um, but anyways, so that never materialized of me being brought up to the roster as able. Uh, would have been pretty cool though, but I didn't like wearing the hood. If I'm being honest, I hated it. Sure. You know, so it changed your whole career traje traje trajectory of that happened. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. But look, I guess wrestling is often this whole thing of like, if this thing happens, then this thing happens. If this thing doesn't happen, then, you know, I feel like it could go that either way. Butterfly effect, yeah. Yes. I, 
this, I talk about this all the time. I talk about this at stupid great length about how Back to the Future is my favorite movie because of that exact reason. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Great. All the, the whole, all of them are great, by the way. I love so all of that. But it's the idea that if this thing doesn't happen, it doesn't lead to this thing, which then leads to that thing. Like, who knows? If all those things hadn't come together, maybe you wouldn't be sitting here right now as the mayor of Longwood. Maybe you wouldn't be a father. Who knows? There you go. That's what I was about to say. I'll give you one bigger. I watch all your shows. I, I really do. I watch every single one because I think you do. A, a, you're you're who I watch my new card. Wow. And very kind. Thank and you. you. And and you do a great job with all your guests. You have a great collection of not just pro wrestling, but you have a major, you have freaking rock. You have major, major stars come up in your show. And I'm going to tell you something. This, for all you know, could still just be something else that sets up something bigger. As big as you are, you're a big deal. I'm not saying it's blow smoke up here, you know what, I'm being honest with you. You're a very big deal with what you do, and, and, and especially in the space you're in. You're one of the very best at what you do. With that in mind, it's still, for all we know, could still just be that first domino for you know, of what could end up being something just enormously, like, who knows what big. I real. Well, thank you. That's- it's so kind of you to watch my show. Very nice of you to say that. And look, I, whenever people are like, well, what do you want to do You know, this year? What are your goals? I, I just say I want more. Like without this turning into a therapy session here, like I just want more. I want to do more of all of this. Like, hell yeah. Hey, I interviewed Reese Witherspoon and Ashton Kutcher. That's awesome. What, what? can I turn into? Right? And I got Anthony Mackey this Friday. Like I've got big celebrity interviews. And it's so wow. funny because I... I you know, I've been doing celebrity interviews for like 17 years now. Right. Funny because a lot of people just know me for my YouTube content. And a lot of that's just pro wrestling interviews, which obviously I love pro wrestling. I wanted to be a pro wrestler when I was growing up. Right. But there's people that are like, did I see you doing an interview with George Clooney? I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. They're like, you're doing big things. I'm like, well, yeah, I'm also just doing my job as an entertainment reporter. <laughs> it's, there's nothing corny about that. I, it's called uh, a living and being with purpose. And, and, and I'm a very big believer of law of attraction. I'm a huge, huge believer in it. In fact, we just found our own vision boards to go back and go through them. And, like, we do it all the time, my wife. And oh, I. wow. That's how, you should have seen when we were trying to uh, get pregnant. We had vision boards all over this house. It probably looked like lunatics if people came to visit us with babies everywhere. Pregnant bellies, diapers, bottles, everything to get inside our head. We're going to be freaking parents. I'll do you one step further. Yeah. When we purchased this home, I built the nursery. <laughs> she was not pregnant. Not wow. Because, again, I really put my money where my mouth is. I believe in yeah. it wholeheartedly. You have to, to, not to get cheesy here, but to this where you watch it and listen. I swear God is my witness. If you can put it in your head, don't just put it in your head of things you want to do with your life. You have to taste it. You have to smell what it would smell like, hear what it would sound like. Everything, no matter what that is, to be a pro wrestler. Don't just imagine what it would feel like to be in the ring. Imagine what the smell of the hot dogs and popcorn would smell like in the arena. Um, what the sweat will feel like falling off your body, walking back up the rampway, holding up your championship title belt. You have to get detail-oriented with the senses. Of having those things now. You have to pretend you have them now. And it's hard to do with money. It's it's not easy to do with money. I struggle with that myself. Yeah. Uh, 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 okay, I'm going to be a millionaire. You know? Um, okay, it, you have to, they say for it to really work, for you to really make this stuff happen, you have to really act like you have this stuff where you are that stuff now. Yeah. I and I love this stuff so much. I love talking to any of my guests about this. And I always see the negative feedback from people that are like, well, that's easy for you to say. You know, that's easy for you to say because you're 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 successful or look at everything you've got. Or that's easy for your guests to say. And the crazy thing about that for me is that you you're only seeing a snapshot of someone's life in their most successful phase of their life. You know, of course. stumbles along the way to get there. Like I always tell people, like, well, just go read uh, anything about what Oprah. Like, Oprah should not have been Oprah. No. Just had this goal in mind and just didn't stop till it happened. 
That's exactly right. And, and you got to remember, social media, what are we doing on social media? We are showing our best selves in that situation that minute of that day, right? So we all see each other at our highest that day. And that's another thing that people get in their heads because of it. They don't know. I got kicked out of four grammar schools before first grade, struggled with a speech impediment, ADHD, things like that. Or I'm sure thousands of your struggles, you know, uh, coming up in the beginning too. Yeah, I, I had my dream job when I was 23 years old and I moved my entire life from Toronto to Vancouver, 47 hour drive in my 1995 Toyota Corolla. Got there, did the show for a year. It was unbelievable. It was amazing. And then our show got canceled. And I had, uh, had to pack up my entire life, drive those 47 hours back, move back in with my parents. And I was unemployed for seven months. Yeah. And I was like, well, what am I going to do? I just had the job where I was interviewing actors and musicians and celebrities. Now I'm looking for jobs on the internet in my parents' spare bedroom. Like, yeah, yeah. Because guess yeah. what? I don't care who the famous person is. Every single person has done this, has yeah. done that, has been in that situation. And the difference is, you don't have many people that become successful that are willing to share that part. And that's important. Yes. I wish they would. I wish they would. Like LeBron. LeBron will share his struggles growing up with a single mom, et cetera, et cetera, of, of how he stays driven to being what he became, you know, yeah. what he still is right now. Right? And there's uh, also this, the weird, there's this weird thing that happens in our society where, like, there's a certain sector of people that like to watch successful people fail. And it's just like, huge. We're all just people at the end of the day. And it's just sad that someone's like, oh, well, finally, finally, The Rock's movie didn't open as well as it should have. It's like, well, why would you root for that? Why would you root for that? Pretty well. <laughs> but why would you root for that? Why yeah, would you want that? It. What does that do for you? That's what I don't get. And can I just add, add one thing in? Please. Going back to law of attraction, when you're somebody that's constantly throwing out hate, and want nothing but negative things for maybe your worst enemy or other people. All right. I swear to God as my witness, it all it does is it snowballs right back to you. It boomerangs back to you, rather. A hundred percent true, guys. I swear that's how it works. That's why you'll see people, you're like, how could they get over, you know, there were just enemies with this guy the other day. How oh, they shaking his hand and, you know, uh, accepting their apology or whatever. Why? Because they want to move on and get back yeah. into the right channel and the right frequency again of receiving and living in abundance. That's why. I love that so much. And I think that's a, a good note to kind of wrap things up on because I, I wasn't doing this last time that we did the interview, which was crazy. I think that was almost four years ago, three and a half years ago. I know. Uh, so, you know, I end every conversation with gratitude because that's such an important part of my life. And I think it's an important part of what we're just talking about with like, abundance if you can focus on the things that you do have in your life you're going to get more of those things in your life so three things in your life you're grateful for right now oh my god number one with a silver bullet my wife and my son um how many did you say three three um the program we have my son set up for at the moment uh like i told you he's not verbal autistic so we got him to an amazing charter school uh very very excited about for him um, very detailed, I know, but this is the world I live in. <laughs> These are important things to me. Um, yeah. And number three, my mom. The fact that I still have her, the fact that she moved down here to Florida to be with us, um, I love that. Other than my wife, my best friend, right? I love that. Matt, it's always a great conversation with you. We need to do this far more often. We can't wait three and a half years to do another one. Well, and it's weird is because in our city, like the way the mayoral ship works each year in the month of May, and you, like one of the five of the commissioners get chosen and elected as mayor. So last time I did this, I was mayor. And then I got reelected to my commission in 2000, 2020. I got reelected. And then I was uh, named mayor this past May. So you're good luck, Chris Van <laughs> <laughs> Matt, always such a pleasure. Thank you so much. I love you, my brother. I mean that. I love you and I'm proud of you. I love you too, man. Thank you so much. There we go. Man, I just, I love those kinds of conversations. I love how we wrap things up there at the end. I feel like we could go four hours talking about that kind of stuff. 
I hope that you enjoyed it as well. And it's so great seeing what Matt is doing in his community. And sounds like he's left pro wrestling behind him. But like I said, like I said, we saw him in Impact and anything in pro wrestling is possible. So I guess we'll see. Snap a screenshot. Let us know that you're listening to this one and tag us so we can share this. Matt is at BP Matt Morgan. I'm at Chris Van Vliet. Let us know what the most interesting part of this conversation was for you. And I think that this quote from Thomas Jefferson really sums up the last you know 20 minutes of what we were talking about there. Thomas Jefferson said, I'm a great believer in luck. I find the harder I work, the more of it I have. So good. Be great. Be grateful. We will see you on the next one for some more insight. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.